It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I had the opportunity to go to the Museum of Fine Arts Boston and actually see Sylvia Hernandez's quilt in the exhibition Fabric of a Nation American Quilt Stories. Although Sylvia and I got to visit several months ago, we wanted to wait until the exhibition was open to share her interview. The special exhibition opened on October 10th, 2021 and will be available until January 16th, 2022. Sylvia has great ideas on making art, and I'm so happy for her that the museum reached out to her to be included in this exhibition. Sylvia, I'm so happy you're joining me on A Quilter's Life today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was very pleased to be invited to be part of your podcast. Oh, great. Tell me about where you were born and raised. I'm a New Yorker. I was born in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. When I was three years old, my parents came over the bridge. We were in Delancey. We came into right over the bridge into Williamsburg. And I've been there ever since. I've been in Williamsburg, Brooklyn most of my life. Five years we were in Puerto Rico, but I'm here in Brooklyn. Now, did I see that your parents were from Puerto Rico or your ancestors yes. were? Yeah, my parents came to the United States. My father came first to Chicago in 1950-something, and then he came to New York in 1957. Oh, neat. And then the rest trickled along because they already had seven children. So they brought a couple of them with them, and then the older ones stayed behind, and they came later on, and I was the first one born in New York. Okay. Wow. We had a big crew. There were 11 of us. Yeah. <laughs> We were never lonely. <laughs> there was always somebody there. <laughs> the only problem was that if you found money to buy a candy bar, you had to eat it before you got home because if you showed up at the house with anything, you had to share. Yeah. <laughs> so those were the rules. You swallowed that candy on your way home. Because <laughs> if not, you had to split it in a million different pieces and you got nothing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Your large families are great. Do you have a special childhood memory besides the candy bar? Besides the candy bar. <laughs> my favorite memories are sitting with my brothers and sisters and listening to music. We had older brothers, so they used to listen. My older brother, one listened to jazz, one listened to ranchero music. My parents listened to the regular Spanish music that was of their time. And then I had the younger ones that listened to. So it was such a different genre of music. We used to sit on the couch and listen to the Goldfinger album and laugh and scream and carry on. It was the silliest thing, but we had such a good time doing that. Oh, just sitting there listening to music and just sharing, because there are certain parts of the song that sounded scary. So, of course, everybody would scream. And that was one of the fun things that we used to do. And yeah, so that's one of the things that always sticks out in my brain was when we were kids. Oh, neat. Family time is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Tell me about your employment. Did you have employment other than quilting? Yes, I was in the medical field for almost 30 years. I was a medical assistant. 
Later on, I became an endoscopy assistant. We assisted in so many colonoscopies that I can't even remember anymore. I saw more naked people than I ever want to see in my life ever again. <laughs> I prepped more people for colonoscopies. It was like, good Lord. But I tried to make it as bearable as possible. So they wouldn't feel uncomfortable, so they wouldn't be nervous. And thank God it always went well. Rarely did you get somebody that was, ah, it was always a good thing. We eased them through. And anytime there was bad news, I would sit with them afterwards and we talk and whatever. So that was part of what I did daily. It was a great time, but came to a point in my life where I knew it was time to change. The medicine changed, insurance has changed. It became about what insurance do you have? Give me your copay. And, and people were lost along the way, and I thought it was sad. Yeah. And I was also getting to a point in my life where I said, I got to do something for me. And because my kids were grown and gone. And so, yeah, that's when I started quilting. But I loved my whole time in medicine. I met wonderful, wonderful people. Nice. Now, you're still in Brooklyn, correct? Yes. You already mentioned that you went to Puerto Rico for a while. How long were you there? We were there five years in the early 80s, 1981 to 85, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, we left in, in December of 1980. We left the December that John Lennon was killed. That was the craziness that was happening in New York, and we went to live in Puerto Rico, my husband and I, and we had a little boy. And we lived there for five years. And again, it was fantastic. I was in medicine there, too. It was just a growing experience. My parents were Puerto Rican. And of course, we spoke Spanish at home, but it's not the same as going to live in a place where you're immersed in the language. So my Spanish was good, but it was the patients let me know it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> but I got through and they understood it. I took care of them. But with time, it became a lot better. But it was a learning experience. And because my little one had to learn how to read, too, we learned together. And that was the good thing about it. So it was a great experience. And uh, again, never being out of New York my whole life and then moving to a place where I didn't know was pretty incredible. Wow. And I think about it now, and I was really brave because I was like, why would we do such? Because my husband had traveled to Puerto Rico a lot, but I had not. I had never been there. And so it was interesting. And it was a good experience again. It, was mm -hmm. like, it shows you how bold you can be without thinking that you are being brave and bold. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight's so good, isn't it? Exactly, because sometimes you think, I can never do that. And then you say, wait a minute, I've done this, 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 all this. I can do this. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so just giving yourself a pep talk is always a good thing. Yeah. Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? Originally, I wanted to go into illustrations. So I do some drawing, not as much as I used to when I was a kid. And I do some hand embroidery and collage stuff and mostly little things like that. And I've done summer camps. So coming up with ideas for the kids to do things, it's always fun. And just different little crafts has always been a, a fun thing, just being creative. Whenever we have kids come over, they, you know, the parents bring the kids and they look like, what are we going to do? It's so boring. And I said, oh, no wait, I've got stuff and I'll pull out stuff and coloring books and stuff to do. And, and everybody wants to come to our house. It's like, yeah, because i got stuff to do. <laughs> I will keep you busy. My boys would never bored. There was always reading or drawing or something. There was always something going on, which is a good thing. Idle hands. <laughs> I need to work at that a little bit more. My granddaughter came over a couple of weeks ago and said, Where's your crafts? 
I'll give you a super simple one that you could do with her. Those little scraps of fabric that you have little pieces, get the little index cards, uh-huh. a glue stick, and little pieces. You just start gluing it on. The key is to cover the whole index card. Oh, Once nice. you cover the whole thing, it's all, the fabric is all glued down. So the little pieces are glued down. And then you just slide it into one of those little frame thingies, and they look so cute. And you created some art. So there's your next project for your granddaughter. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Because you'll sit there and make so many. It's like so much fun. I've done it with seniors and with kids, and they love doing that. That is a great idea. Are there any other hobbies you have? No, you know what? I think quilting and sewing and this has just taken over, which is a good thing. I think it makes me happy. Well, I've taken up reading again. That's the only thing that I'm doing again that I haven't done in a while. But when I talk to people, so I ask them, what do you do for fun? Well, we go out and said, you know, but what do you do for you? For you creatively, what do you have to have something, a little something, if it's reading, cooking, dancing, something that makes you happy. They make, well, I said, no, so I'm I'm happy I have that because I can sit and sew and just create and and another idea comes and I have to write it down. And so I think it's been a great thing to have that in my life. But I'm just being creative. It's like having a million ideas in your head and it's a good Lord, I got to get this out of my head Mm -hmm. and just moving it along is always a good thing. Who introduced you to quilting? Funny story. My oldest son was moving out of our home. He had come back from college and decided he was going to get his own place. There was a bag of clothing from college in the closet, and he told me, oh, mom, just throw it out. And when I went to look, there was some T-shirts from him when he was in college and a sheet and a darshiki. There was underwear. There was a million different things. I told him, no, we got to do something with this. So that was my first quilt. I put all of that together, and he still has it. So it was just putting that together and watching Alex Anderson, watching PBS, Fonz and Porter, watching Eleanor Burns, just those things, just watching and, and enjoying that, that whole process. I don't know how it came to be that I went from illustration to quilting, but I did. My youngest son said, he says, Mom, you must have been a quilter in your past life because you took to it like a fish out of water. And I said, I must have been. <laughs> I must have been because it just came second nature to me. And my mother used to sew, but it wasn't, you know, she just used to make clothes and stuff. It's nothing where we would sit and sew together or anything like that. So I guess it was just hidden in my DNA somewhere. <laughs> and thankfully it came out. <laughs> <laughs> that was a regular bed quilt, but I know you do art quilting. Was right. there a time for a change that you changed over or do you do both or what's that about? I do do both, but I went to a, a SACWA meeting at the City Quilter when it was open. It was a quilt shop in New York. One thing she said was, quilts can be art. Don't be afraid to create and cut, and it doesn't have to be perfect, and don't worry about the quilt place and just be creative. And it was like she opened that door. When Dorothy goes into Munchkinland and she opens the door and she sees colors, that's the way it felt for me. That it was like, yeah, I can do other things and not just do little squares and triangles and stars and whatever. But this was a different way of me using my illustration stuff to do that, which Mm -hmm. was fantastic. So I started doing little things. And then Carolyn Mazlumi had a call for art for quilts for President Obama when he was elected. And I created two quilts and there were story quilts. And I think that's when the story quilting started with me. Quilts are the purpose of them for beds and for warmth. And some of them are story quilts and what you use to create it. But creating story quilts, something that said something. With me, it's like I'll create the image and I'll put some text in it so you can read. 
but I want people to feel like they may want to do research on this. Let me look into this. Let me find out about this situation or, or what she's trying to say in this quote. So I like the fact that I work with young people at a high school and it's important with, especially with young people to show imagery so that they see, because if you tell them, well, let's read about this, they'll give you the ah, look. <laughs> but if you tell them, this is the piece, this is what we're trying to say. This is what I'm trying to say. What do you think? And then they'll say, oh, let me look at it. And then the phones come up and I'm looking and I go, thank God for Google. And then they just start looking and they go, oh, I said, yeah, you see that it's not just this, 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 and this. And then it leads to other things and to speaking about it and, so I think storytelling culture is super important mm-hmm. in that sense. Do you have a favorite quilt? I have to say my Obama quilts are my favorites. Can you describe There's, them for me? I think it was an Eleanor Burns book with the Underground Railroad. They're saying it's not a true story, but it's a story. And I love the story. So I used that as the background, but I made the blocks in very light red, white, and blue. And so... That's the background. And on it, I embroidered President Obama's face. So I superimposed and made a giant, put it on the front, traced it out, and then embroidered it on. So it's like he's coming out of this history. So that was one. And then the other one is a, a Hawaiian-type quilt because he was born in Hawaii. I used uh, state flowers for Washington. And I created, like, snowflakes, but out of words. I use the word hope and I cut it up in a way that it looks like you're not sure what it is, but then you can read the word hope in it. So it's basically creating the word and then cutting it out like a paper snowflake. So I did that. So those are the two. And they're both like red, white, and blue, but nothing like screaming red, white, and blue. It's subtle, a subtle way of putting it, which I thought was important. Neat. Thanks. Now, when making your quilts, do you lean toward a certain color palette or just does it depend on the quilt? It depends on the quilt, but I, my quilts do tend to be bright. It's so funny because I can be sitting next to a pile of fabric and something comes up and I go, oh, that'll be perfect and not realizing. So I try to use what I have to get through it, but color palette, truly, no, just as long as it's bright and, and it photographs well. I love when quilts photograph well. I think it's super important. So I always check on the camera when I'm putting it up to see how it looks on the lens. So not really, just colors and colors. I used to buy at the city culture when it was there. I wouldn't even know what to do with this fabric. And I would tell them, I don't know either right now, but it'll come to me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and it usually did. <laughs> and it usually did. With mentioning the taking a photograph, is your studio bright so that the light is natural light or do you have lighting that shows that we have a two-bedroom apartment and uh when the boys left we took the apartment and my husband did the lights for me so he put two fluorescent lamps but it's a certain light and it looks great and anybody that comes to visit me in the room they go my gosh the lighting i said yes it's important it's not so much that it's going to hurt my eyes but it's enough to see the work and to appreciate the colors of the fabric or what i'm trying to say mm-hmm Tell me about a tool that you just love that you don't think you could do without. My long arm machine. I <laughs> <laughs> I christened her. She's got a name. Her name is April. And and it's like, yeah, no, this is this is the baby. This is the baby. When I went to look at it, when I first got it, I walked in and my husband looks at me. He says, oh, sure, you want to do this? And I said, Oh, you didn't come along to tell me I'm getting this. 
You just came along because you're always with me. We're always together. I'm getting this. <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> he looks at me and goes, oh, I said, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like one of my first ever really big purchases that I did for me, which I had never done before. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's, that's the baby, my long arm, my handy quilter. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I come into the room, I say good morning to her, and I thank her when I'm finished, and I go along. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like she does a good job for you. She does. She's amazing. She is amazing. And anytime any little thing goes wrong, my husband he'll, can hear me screaming. He'll come, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'll explain to him, and he'll go, and he'll check it. He's so great. Because he's very mechanically inclined. Anything that breaks... He'll come in and figure it out. And I said, thank you. Or we called the handy quilter people and it's done and it's taken care of. Knock on wood, this machine is a workhorse because I really used her. (laughs) Really. (laughs) Do you have a favorite part of the quilting process or do you like every step? You know what? I like every step. I like having the idea. I like seeing the idea come to be and just the whole thing and the laying out of the fabric and the colors and but the whole process, it's really the whole process and checking on my camera and to see how it looks from a distance. The whole process for me is just, it's like a therapy, especially after last year. We were in this apartment the whole year locked up. I have created so much work last year. I cannot get over it. One, it was the pandemic. And then there was the craziness of everything that was going on politically and everything. And it was like, I kept cranking out work. And it was really, it was just something's come up. It's in my head. I got to get it out. So I just like the whole process of going through the whole thing, beginning it and finishing it and looking at it. And it's it's like a little kid with a new toy and just looking and going and, and playing and playing and getting to another level. So mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Are you ready for my fun question? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what was your worst quilting experience? <laughs> this lovely lady who I absolutely love gave me some quilts to do for her. And I said, fine. And so I did them and I, I got the top in and it's all rolled in and it's laying flat. And it looks good. It looks good. It looks good. I get to the last row and it was, there were waves. The last row was just a wave. I couldn't straighten it out. I did everything. I, I cried. I said, oh my God, I can't get this to her like this. I can't make it look ugly. I know it's not my work, but it makes me feel like I've done something wrong. And I know I haven't. I never give anybody's work looking any way but good. Because like I tell them, you give me your quilt and I give it back to you. Like I put lipstick on it and it's ready to go. That's what I did. So I had to cut and straighten and it took me hours, but I figured it out and I was able to splice and <laughs> lay it down. And it was very Frankensteinish. But once it was quilted, you never saw that it was there. And it was like, thank you, God, I did this. I pulled this off. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only time it was like, oh, Lord, what's this? <laughs> And it was funny because when she got it back, she told me, did it give you a hard time? I said, well, just a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Yeah. And I know what you put into these quotes. And especially when they're older, it's like, no, it was fun. <laughs> uh, so, so how long did you have to struggle trying to figure that out? Was it hours or days? It, no, it took me a couple of hours. The thing is that a certain age group comes from a mindset that if there's a problem, if there's a situation, what do we need to do? How do we move along? How do we fix it? As opposed to now, let's have a meeting. We'll have a meeting about having a meeting about what's going to happen next. And then we'll have a meeting about that. 
And then three weeks later, you're still having a meeting about trying to figure out what's going to happen. No, there's a problem. Let's fix it now and move along. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat there. I walked away. I think I had lunch. I came back and I looked and I looked and I said, okay, this is what we're going to have to do. And then I just started splicing and, you know, and, and so stitching it back by hand. And I guess I just recreated making it very Frankensteinish, but it was put together. It laid straight. I sprayed some water on it because if you spray a little water when they're a little wavy, it tuckers it up a little bit. So it was a, a little bit of an adventure, but I pulled it off and you would have never been able to say that that quilt was not straight at the bottom. Wow. Yeah, it was an adventure. I think about it now and I laugh, but that day I was a laughing. He was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what has drawn you to the craft of quilting rather than using your time on other things? Now I know because I feel like I'm telling stories in my quilts. When I first started, it was just like a pastime because I was working full time. I had the kids. Like I needed one more thing to do was sitting in the corner. I had a corner in the living room where I had a, a singer sewing machine and I worked. It was small things. It wasn't making anything big. So at the beginning, it was just like, you know, just to keep me busy, trying to find my way in what I wanted to do with the not extra time that I had. But I made it because it made me happy. So now it's just, the storytelling part of it, I think, is just going and creating, and it really makes me happy. Sometimes some people can go through their whole life and never say, this made me happier. I was happy about this. It fills me with just the pleasure that I can't even describe, and just creating, and the support of my siblings and my husband and my kids has just been, you know. At first, my brothers were like, what do you mean you're quitting your job? You're making good money. And I said, yeah, but it's not making me happy. <laughs> And it was like, well, I mean, they had a meeting and everything. My two older brothers came and spoke to me. And I said, no, I need to do me. I mean, it's, it was never my time. It was always when I, we were kids, it was like sharing and doing. And it was others about somebody else. It was always about somebody else. And this is the one thing I do for me. Mm-hmm. And it's important. I think we need to find something that just makes us happy, that we do for ourselves. You know, because you spend your time as a mother, as a wife, and it's always, let me do this to make them happy. It's like, no, no, this is for me. Now I can gladly say, and like, yeah. It's about me now. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's been about you for a long time. Let's do me now. <laughs> and who do you make the quilts for? Once in a while, I'll make for family. I start this summer making. I have a few ready to make from some nieces and nephews. But I, I just make them, especially with the story quilts, just to have something to share. So stories won't be forgotten. For me, that's what it feels like. It's like if you say the name of someone's death deceased, you know, they're not forgotten. So if you keep stories and these things out in the open and you tell them, I make them to have a historical something that'll say, yeah, this happened and this was here. And at least this was created about it in some of the quotes that I make. So that part is, it's important for me to, to do it in that sense. I do make fun quotes just to be silly and whatever too, but. But the story quotes that I make, I think that's an important. And that I learned with the with Dr. Maslumi, because whenever she gives you a challenge or they give you, this is the theme, this is what we're doing, this is what you have to do. I think it was a great beginning for me because in art, I think it has to be a little structured where you have, this is what we're doing. And people have trouble with that. And it's like, yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather have knowing this is the size. And if colors are have to be included, these are the colors and this is what we have to do. And it makes it easier for me to, to work on things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a gift that you have because not everybody could do these story quilts. 
Thank you. Again, it, in church, one Sunday, the priest said, God gives everybody a gift. You have to know how to use it or what it is, or how you're going to bring it out to the world. And that's another one of those moments that I went, I know what I have to do. This is what I have. This is what I was given, and I need to move it along. And I've taught my sons the same thing. I have a son that's a graphic artist, super talented. I have another one that's an artist as well, but he's a teacher. And I've watched him teach, and it's a beautiful experience because it's like he doesn't belittle. He, he makes you feel like you knew it all along. It was just hidden somewhere. And I think it's important to make people feel that way. So, so I think that's why I love about doing these story quotes. It's like, you know, just moving it along and keeping it relevant so people can know that these things happened. Mm -hmm. Do you have a project you're working on right now? I am making a hexy quilt. It's a pattern from Quilt Maker magazine. It's the one with the little lamb. Somebody wanted a little lamb one, so I'm working on cutting fabric for that right now. And the list of things to do. I'm trying to make like a crumb quilt of houses in Puerto Rico. There's an area called La Pella, La Perro. And the houses are like stacked in a way, and then they're all in different colors. If you look it up, you'll see it's different colors, and then you see the sky. And so I want to create something like that, the way I created the piece for Washington, D.C., the Black Lives Matter one. Because mm -hmm. when I made that one, they were showing an image from the sky. So you saw the top of the buildings, and you saw the wording on the street. And when I saw that, all I saw was a quilt pattern. I said, oh, my, if I copy this and print it out in just squares, the shapes are all there. You just have to do them and put them together. And it just worked out really nice. And so I'm going to use the same technique to create this area in Puerto Rico. It should be fun. I'm hoping to start soon. I'm just finishing up other people's work. And then I'm taking a break from them and doing me for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're going to take your own advice. Yes, I have to. I have to spend a busy year, believe it or not, even with the pandemic, quilters were working their little fingers off between the mass and people just creating quilts. I mean, I've, some women have dropped off five and six quilts at a time. Oh, my. I'm just, yeah, I'm just finishing off the last of this sweet woman who's late 80s. She gave me six. And I'm on the last one now, and then I can drop it off on Friday to her because she wants to give them to her family because... She feels this might be it. So she says, I just want to make sure everybody gets one. So it's like, okay. So it's a deadline. I got to have you up in the <laughs> So yeah, no one came in with one or two quilts. Everyone that I know that I've been quilting for showed up with four or five, six quilts at a time. Wow. Mm -hmm. The handy quilt of April was so busy. <laughs> <laughs> Quarantine didn't keep her not busy. She was busy. Share a quilting tip that you like. Be fearless. Don't be afraid. Don't let the quilt police come into your brain. And and if it's not a perfect star, the next one will be better. Just do stuff. Measure twice, cut once. And if you don't and it doesn't come out, it's not the end of the world. I tell people all the time, look, I used to have to sit with people that were getting terrible news when I was in medical field. It's not her surgery. This is a quilt. Do it again, just slowly. And, and if you're not sure about how, if it's something you're starting out, don't get the beautiful, expensive fabric because you'll ruin it and you'll feel awful about it. Start low end. Then that way you can reward yourself by getting prettier fabric. Don't start with the high end stuff because it's expensive. And then if you ruin it, you feel bad. So just go slowly, but be fearless. Don't let it scare you that, I, oh, I've never done, I've never tried it. If everybody had that feeling, we, nobody would have ever done anything anywhere, ever. So. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. my only advice. <laughs> <laughs>
I felt like I got to graduate when I allowed myself to buy more expensive material. Exactly. I started off with pillowcases. Literally, I would go to the, the store in my neighborhood that had sheets and I buy pillowcases that they had that were super cheap. I'd bring them, I cut them, I had the cardboard stencils and that's what I did and I worked. And then I said, okay, I got this. And then I went to the quilt shop and then I almost fainted because it was so beautiful. And my friend Davida would make fun of me. She used to work there because I'd wander. She told me, you finished? I said, no, I need to look again. <laughs> I just want to look. I just want to look at the fabric. I want to touch it. I just want to. <laughs> so it was always like a couple of hours of being there just to enjoy the beauty of this fabric because it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, you were invited to have at least one of your quilts in the Museum of Fine Arts Boston for their exhibition. How right. did you feel when you were contacted? I was speechless, really, because they reached out and told me that they were interested in two of my quilts. And I thought, oh, they just want to show them. And they said, no, we want to purchase them, which made it even more like, oh, my. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, they both are story quilts. But one is about the gun violence, about the, the AR-15, the rifles. It's a rifle that's set up like a snowflake again. I tend to use that a lot. You take one image and you create it and you cut it out like a snowflake. So it was just speaking on the gun violence. That's the one that they took for the upcoming exhibit. And then uh, the other one is a story quilt of people in my husband's side of the family. This family has been so wonderful to me. From the moment that we met, it was like it was treated as if I was one of their own. It was never like, oh, she's not part of this. I never felt this with them. So it's the great-grandparents. And it's a photo of them that I saw, and then I just printed and put it up in a way, just telling their story. There's like, I think, 13 or 14 little birds, and that's how many children they have. So I tried to include things to tell their story. And it was important for me. It was like their great-grandchildren will be able to go into the museum and see the story about them. It's like just keeping their story relevant, that it's not forgotten. This is where they started. This is where this wonderful family started, so it's important. You know, at least as far back as we can go, it was important to me. Mm-hmm. So those are the two that are there now. I was amazed that they found me because of that photo of the grandparents. They found me and I was having a small exhibit here in Brooklyn and someone saw it there. And and that's how they found me. And then they saw the other one. It was an incredible back and forth. And I'm so honored that they decided to do this. Mm-hmm. Did you have to do anything special to get your quilt ready to send to them? No, as long as there were no threads, the label was on, it was properly labeled. They sent people here during the pandemic to pick it up. They came in and I made a space for them on the table. They wrapped them in tissue. They were wrapped as if they were crystal. They wrapped them so beautifully and then they were off to to Boston. Wow. Mm -hmm. What an experience. It really was. It was like I was sitting there saying, I can't, I can't believe. And the thing is that every time things like that happens, it's like when I see a new baby in the family, I think, you know, that my parents started that. That's where this came from. So whenever I do something that's like that, they're the first things that come into my mind. That my father took a chance on coming to a place he didn't know to speak a language he didn't speak. To bring his kids here to start a new life, to get us going. And that, you know, that my mother never gave up on us. And she taught us to take care of each other, back each other up, be there for each other. She hesitated with uh, supporting the arts with me because she wasn't, she wasn't sure. She didn't know any better. You can't blame somebody they don't know. Mm-hmm. But she never said it was something she didn't want me to do. So, yeah, it was just a good experience. 
Wow. So I take it they had seen your quilts and asked for specific ones, or did they just ask for a couple quilts and you picked out what you wanted them to have? Well, they picked out the ones they wanted. The first one they saw was the, it's called the Padilla Grandparents. They saw that one at an art exhibit on the website. And they saw that one for another exhibit that's coming later on at the museum. And then they saw the one with the rifles. And I think they were looking for being inclusive. They were looking for a Latinx person to include in their exhibit. Because mm-hmm. there weren't any so far. So it was like, okay, I'll do that. I volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to mention that's going to be at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. And the right. exhibition is called Fabric of a Nation, American Quilt Stories. And they'll be mm-hmm. shown from October 10th to January 16th. So that's October 10th and 2021 to January 16th in 2022. Mm-hmm. And I just have to, as an aside, I looked up who else was in the exhibit. Harriet Powers, two quilts are going to be in this exhibit. It's like, how? <laughs> how? <laughs> it's like, why? It's incredible that to think that your work is going to be with something that's as important as that. Yeah. It's a, it's a little mind-blowing. It's like, wow. So it's taken me a minute to, to gather my thoughts about that. It's like, yeah, no, anybody, the people that know me say that I'm very, I said, no, I don't, I don't like to toot my own horn, but it's like, those are one of those times where I go, yeah, I like that. That makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to you again after you go up there and see it and get your feelings on what it was like to stand there and see your quilt in the museum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everything comes to your mind, everything, how you started with drawing. And this is awful, but my third grade teacher that I had, I was very quiet when I was a kid. We had to read a story and then either write something about it or draw a picture. And I was always doing the illustration. This would make her angry because she wanted to see how I write. So as opposed to telling me, why don't we try this approach? She was just very mean and told me that I would never amount to anything. So anytime something good happens, I always think of her. And I go, there you go. Here's another one for your hat. (laughs) Paint this one on your hat. (laughs) (laughs) I've worked with kids and the kids make fun of me. They they say, Miss, you always say that everything is good. And I said, because it is. Everything is beautiful and wonderful. And they laugh at me. And I tell them, because you made that. Of course it's beautiful. I always praise because we don't get enough of that in life. I said, you know, this is something that people need to hear and that they did something really well or that, that they're good at something. Even if I'm passing somebody in the street and they look nice, I would tell them, you look really nice. And they would stop and go, oh my, yes, thank you. And I go, yeah, I mean, somebody. So little things like that. So it's important to me. Yeah. We just don't know what other people are going through. Exactly. Yeah. It's nice to brighten everybody's day. Yeah. And I've taught my sons the same thing. They know. And you don't know, you don't know what shoes they bought and you don't know what kind of, even the kids at school and they, I've gotten them to think about it. Well, they're, they tend to, you know how kids are, they judge. And I tell them, let's take a minute and think that. Do you know what's going on in their life? Do you know what they've been through? Do you know if they ate today? Do you know if they have money there? And they look at me and they go, oh yeah. And I go, so you don't know what they're going through. Like, I don't know what you're going through. Like, you don't know what I'm going through. And they go, yes. I said, those are things you have to think about before you start being mean and picking on somebody. Mm -hmm. Take a minute. And if you can't control it, then go to the office and explain it to the principal because I can't do this with you. 
you need to be able to be sympathetic and be kind. It's not, you know, it's not necessary. So, yeah, I try. (laughs) (laughs) Sylvia, is there anything else you would like to share with me? Thank you for this opportunity. Again, it's, like I said, it's important to tell our stories. People think their stuff is boring. No, tell your story. It's important. Somebody needs to know. Somebody will hear this along the way. You don't know how you inspire people. We were storing paintings for this young man who moved out in New York in 2008, I think. And his paintings were sitting in my storage forever. I finally found them on Facebook. I reached out to him. I told him, I have your paintings here. Do you still want them? He drove six hours to come to Brooklyn to pick them up, took them back, put them in an exhibit. He's painting again. He says, you have no idea that seeing this work brought me back to something that I was enjoying that I hadn't done. And I'm doing it again. Wow. So it's little things like that, just inspiring people to believe in themselves and to do. I mean, we get enough negativity, just, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, be creative. But it would make me so happy that he's just out and about and doing this again. So I've got a quote that I'm putting together for him as well. It's got guitars because he's a carpenter. He's an artist. He's a music. He's an all around great guy. We don't know each other. We just met each other. this <laughs> But just watching him do stuff on Facebook is like, no, this guy's amazing. So I'm making him a quilt with all of that stuff, and I'm going to send it to him so he can have it by, by the time it gets chilly again, hopefully. Yeah. If I have time this summer, so I think it'll be nice just to cheer him up. So neat. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. No, no, anytime. Anytime you do a little something like that, it's like you don't think you inspire people, but mm-hmm. you don't know. You don't right. know what, how your words are going to affect somebody, so. Right. Or how your deeds are going to affect somebody, so. Mm-hmm. Just you doing this is incredible because you're keeping a to tell its stories of what other quilters are doing. And it's important that as quilters, we do keep this history as well. Thank you. It's a really important thing. It's an important thing. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a hobby, as they like to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little hobby. It's a little something she does on the side. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have to call it a hobby because I don't get paid for it. it's an art it's creating art yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again so much I really no, appreciate no. your time and thank you for doing this it's important to so many quilters went away like the ones that live anonymously with no names on their quilts nobody knew why or how or what brought it to do this and so this is important for the quilts to be documented in this way we mm-hmm. have stories of the culture so thank you for doing this i uh-huh. appreciate it you're bye-bye. welcome take care bye-bye you can find more stories on a or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically also i want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.